0: Kicking off a whole new series that we're calling honor, developing a culture of honor. And over the next few weeks through the Thanksgiving season, actually, we're going to be talking about some of the things that you just saw in the bumper video uh, that, uh, that Curry Morris created for us. Curry's in the house somewhere. Uh, Welcome Curry. Glad you're here. By the way, Curry does a lot of freelance stuff these days. You need a videographer. He's he's awesome. Lives right here in Wayne County. So touch out, reach out to him. He didn't ask for that. I just threw it in because we appreciate him. But, uh, Uh, But we're going to be talking about some of those subjects of honor. Next Sunday, I want to make you aware of this, next Sunday we're calling it uh, Honoring Local Heroes Day here at the bridge in all four of our locations. And so we're going to be honoring... Those folks that have been on the front lines, particularly during this COVID season, and of course, we're gonna be honoring our first responders, our our law enforcement. We're gonna be honoring the medical personnel, teachers and educators, people in all areas of education. Those folks that are on the front lines, uh, particularly, again, during this COVID season, but but before and will after. And so we're going to honor them next week and talk a little bit about what the Bible says about honor. In fact, we're going to be giving out, I think I've got a picture, we're going to be giving out a challenge coin. Some of you know that term, challenge coin. Uh, the, the military uses it firefighters use it, it it's a really nice brass coin uh, with scripture on it uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, verse 10 says give honor uh, more than honor more than the honor that you want for yourself we're going to be giving those coins away and so if you're in one of those areas law enforcement uh, first responders fire medical uh, educators any of those things we're going you're going to be on your honor to decide if you fit in that category but we're going to be giving those coins away next week and we've ordered a lot of extra. So, next week, we want you to pick them up. And then, everything that's left over, the next week, we're going to ask you to pick one up and give it to somebody so, so that uh, as supplies last, we're going to give as much honor to the local heroes as we possibly can. You know, somebody lives in that area. They don't have a church family. They work in one of those areas. Bring them to church next Sunday. And let's love on them just a little bit. And then we're we'll talking about honoring spouses. And then we'll just dig into what does the Bible say about this idea of a culture of honor. I, uh, Kim and I were chatting this morning before we came to church and and, and I, I made the comment, uh, you know, the political spectrum and all the election stuff and who won and all that and what's, what's where it's going to land, all that stuff is swimming in all of our heads. But, but can I just tell you that I've been saddened by the whole process for 20 years and just reminded that when you lose a culture of honor, you lose something precious, regardless of which party wins, regardless of which name ends up on the the, the the winning side of this thing. When you lose a culture of honor, something precious gets lost and we need to restore it. So join me, if you will, be a part of these messages. The next four weeks, the Lord's laid on my heart. All of our locations are going to be talking about that. And so I hope you'll be a part of that throughout... Um, uh, throughout this month, today, of course, is Veterans Day weekend, and so we're going to pause and and uh, and just remember and recognize our veterans, active duty. In fact, I'm going to ask a favor of you, if you don't mind. You'd probably rather not be singled out, but just you know, just as a favor to us, and so that we can honor you and all that you represent. If you're a veteran or you're active duty or your family of a veteran, active duty, would you do us the honor of standing so that we can honor you and then by proxy honor all of those that you represent? Would you do that? Would Would you do us that honor this morning? Can we appreciate these men and women for all that they do? Thank you, 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 thank you. Don't slow down. Let's give some honor in the house, in the bridge today. I'd love to hear a cheer or two in the house this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate you all so very, very much. You may be seated, and thank you for doing that, and thank you for your service, whether past, present, or future. Thank you so much for you do. Some of you saw my Facebook post this morning. My dad was 82nd Airborne. I was born on Fort Bragg, and so I was an Army brat for a while, and, and thank the Lord. Brother Eddie's going, yes, sir. Some of you don't know this about Eddie, but he was special forces himself in his day and just served in wonderful kinds of ways, so we appreciate you, Eddie, and your service. Uh, to the kingdom and praying for Miss Selby regularly, constantly as well. Today we've got a very special treat because I had the privilege of getting to know General uh, Jerry Boykin, Gerald Boykin, a few years ago. And uh, and we became friends. Kim and his sister Casey were best of friends. And, uh, and I got the privilege to get to know him. General Boykin just to set it up for you, is a consummate Christian, grew up in New Bern, North Carolina, and a Pentecostal holiness church there, loves Jesus with all of his heart. And he's uh, he's been involved in, in, uh, in the Army, in Delta Force, in Green Beret, uh, either as an active leader or as the commander in some of the most uh, uh, pivotal, historic moments of my generation. He was there. He was in the midst of it. He was the commander of Delta Force at Black Hawk Down. You don't see his name or hear his name in the movie because he figured that they would twist the story. He didn't want his name attached to it, but that's that's who General Boykin is. And so when I asked him if he would come on Veterans Day weekend, he said, oh, Jim, I would love to be there, but I'm already obligated to be in Oregon for a Veterans Day gathering there. He's vice president of the Family Research Council. He uh, he served as Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, retired as Lieutenant general in the army. And so we're just really thrilled. So much purple heart, uh, bronze star. uh, There's just so much that I can say about an amazing career. But at the end of the day, if he were here, he would say, none of that is important compared to the simple truth that I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior. So, Give your attention to General Boykin. Had the chance to sit down with him right here on this stage and shoot just an interview. He told some of those stories. And and what I want you to hear through the thread of all of this is that in every one of those historical events, God's at work. Let me say that again. In every one of these historical events, God's at work in ways that we don't hear the stories of. But God's at work. He's at work at what's going on in our nation right now. Even when we don't see it, God's at work so lean into general boykin as he shares a few of these stories god's at work in amazing ways welcome general boykin to our stage hi guys welcome to the bridge on veterans day weekend we're excited that you're here and we're incredibly excited to invite a special guest with us today general gerald boykin jerry uh, and i have been good friends for many years his uh, his sister casey and and, and uh, Miss Kim were best of friends for many years. We had the privilege of being together in Casey's funeral. And so just a, a strong friendship, both in the Lord uh, and as friends for many, many years. Uh, and it's, it's a huge honor for me, because General Boykin uh, doesn't like to talk about it too much, because it uh, draws too much attention to himself. But was commander of Delta Force for many years. It's some of the historic moments that we've all lived through, and he was behind the scenes watching God at work, in, in fact, leading and commanding. And also under Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, uh, as well, and and now with the Family Council, and so uh, God's just doing really great things through you, Jerry, and it's an honor to know you. And and so I invited General Boykin to come and just say a word to our veterans and their families.
1: Well, first of all, uh, Jim, it's so good to see you, and uh, thank you for inviting me here. And this is a very special day for for me and millions of other Americans that uh, that have served this country, and uh, and families that have have literally served by virtue of mm-hmm. being. Uh, Family members of someone in the armed forces, and uh, and don't ever forget that they serve and sacrifice as well. And uh, you know this. uh, I've talked to a lot of people across the country because I speak all all over the country. And I have I can't tell you how many people that I've uh, talked to that have said, "You know, my biggest regret is that I didn't serve. I didn't serve in the military." But you know, I've never talked to anyone who did serve. That said, boy, well, I wasted my time with that. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I hadn't served, and uh, I'd gone to medical school. I've never heard anybody say that, never. So we need to remember that it's, a, it's a privilege to serve. You have no constitutional right to serve; it's a privilege. And then we need to reflect on the sacrifices that are made by those people who exercise that privilege by serving in our military and. Uh, you know we've made sacrifices all over the world our veterans have mm-hmm. and you just stop and think uh, about those uh, those soldiers coming across the beach on the 6th of june 1944 mm-hmm. at a place called normandy you know there was no safe space mm-hmm. the safe space was behind the german lines once they overran them right Thousands of them died, but that's a piece of our history that we need to continually reflect on because America was sacrificing for the welfare of of a continent. Hmm. And then they did the same thing in the in the Pacific as they as they went ashore at places like Leyte Gulf and Guadalcanal and Iwo Jima. And they were fighting for for the liberation of people all over the world, and we saved two continents, at least, mm-hmm. in World War II, so today is a special day because we reflect on the sacrifices that have been made by the men and women who have stepped up and said, here am I, Lord, send me.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, General, for your service and for all the men and women that you represent, both during your active duty days and even now in the service of the Lord, and thank you to all of you uh, veterans and families that are part of Uh, Of our church family, many of you know that my daughter-in-law is is an officer in the Navy, and so I've learned a little bit more about the sacrifice that families make, my son having been a spouse uh, of a a deployed uh, naval personnel. And so uh, thank you to all of you for what you do uh, for our nation and for our God. Now, I thought while we were talking, because you and I have talked so many times over the years, we we always hear the stories about some of the events that become the historic events of our lives, but we never hear the backstory, the, the story where God showed up and God was at work. And I know you've got so many, it would be impossible to tell them all, but are there one or two that just
1: resonate, General, that you would be glad to share with us or be willing to share with us today? I would, uh, Pastor. and um, Frank Brewer was a marine helicopter pilot. Um, And Frank Brewer uh, was in the Armed Forces Staff College in 1982, and next to him was uh, in his seminar was a guy that grew up 35 miles from him and they became best of friends. They were both down home boys, so so to speak. And and the year they were there, they became best of friends and his buddy was in the Army and he was a Marine. And uh, the following year, uh, September of '83, they brought their families back together and and did a uh, a vacation at uh, Bush Gardens. There, mm-hmm. you know it well. Oh yes, from living in that area, they vacationed and when uh, the vacation was over, they they embraced. And uh, Frank said to his buddy, "I'm on my way to Beirut," mm-hmm. and he said, "I'll uh, I'll see you in January when I get back from Beirut." They departed and. On the morning of the 24th of october 1983 mm-hmm. frank was en route to beirut and his ship was diverted along with the elements of the fleet to a little island off the coast of north of uh, south america a little island called grenada mm-hmm. where the cubans and the russians were building airfields there and a great man of faith looked down there and said that puts migs and bombers from Russia in within range of the United States not on my watch not in my hemisphere and Ronald Reagan said go down there and take that island back give it to the people of Grenada and rescue a thousand American medical students that are literally being right. held down there mm-hmm. so on the morning of the 24th Frank is standing on the deck of his of the carrier and he is the executive officer of his Uh, fleet uh, of his uh, battalion and it's a helicopter battalion and all the helicopters take off and they go ashore and Frank because he's the executive officer he and the maintenance officer are left ashore Uh, early that morning after the fighting started there was a call on the net that said medevac 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 we need a medevac can anybody fly a medevac we got a man that is expectant That means he's expected to die. Mm. And uh, Frank turned to the maintenance officer. He said, do we have anything left? And the maintenance officer said, no. No, there's nothing left. He said, nothing? He said, well, the hangar queen. It's in maintenance. He said, will it fly? Well, sir, you'll get in trouble if you fly. Will it fly? Mm. Yes, it'll fly. He said, there's a man out there that might die. He said, I'm flying it. He said, bring it up on deck. You get in the co-pilot seat. I'll fly it. I'll be the pilot. And we're going to get this man. Well, as they flew into the coordinates that they were given, landed, they were bringing a man out on a a stretcher. And he looked down, and it was his buddy, Mm. his army buddy. Well, that was me. That was me laying on that stretcher. And I was so close to death. But I was saying to God, God, have you abandoned me? Have you forgotten me? Do you not care about me anymore? As I would fade in and out. When I looked up and saw that pilot hanging out of the helicopter, giving me a thumbs up. And then I recognized It was Frank Brewer. Mm -hmm. God was saying to me, I've not forgotten you. Mm -hmm. I sent your buddy to get you. Mm -hmm. You see, God is in battle. He's in the middle of the battle. He's always there. Mm -hmm. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said to me, I sent your buddy to get you. We just have to trust him.
0: Hey. And so many hundreds and thousands of lives are different today because of that act of heroism and response to the call of God and and uh, saving your life on that day. Thank you so much, yeah. sir, for your service. No,
1: thank you for all very all that much. You do. It's a real privilege uh, to, to have served and a privilege to be with you today.
0: So, General, I've heard you say before, uh, and it comes from scripture, that we're to be ready in season and out of season. You got any stories about, I know you do, about that coming true and being I do. needed?
1: Uh, I was a young officer. I'd been in the Delta Force of about two years. And uh, of course, it was back in the late 70s, and uh, when the hostages in Iran were taken by the followers of the Ayatollah Khomeini. And uh, they were being held in the U.S. Embassy. In my two years in the Delta Force, the commander of the Delta Force, uh, I thought, treated me very, very poorly. Uh, And it turns out, and I figured it out years later, that it was because I had said I was a Christian, and he had been around Christians Mm. that talked the talk and didn't walk the walk. And it was a test. He was putting me through a test to see if I was really... Uh, stand my ground for what I believed in and and live according to my faith. And I did as best I could. That does not mean I lived a perfect (laughs) life, but I I did the best I could to just because it wasn't just to prove something to him. It was because I knew that what God had called me to do was to, to, to serve him and he had forgiven me of my sins. So we got uh, orders by Jimmy Carter to go into Iran and rescue 52 American hostages. Mm-hmm. I remember it well. And uh, this was in April of 1980. And uh, we were gonna launch that operation on the 24th of April. We were sitting in an old Russian MiG base called Wadi Kenya, Egypt. And uh, Charlie Beckwith, the commander of the Delta Force, came up to me and he said, with the most solemn look on his face that I'd ever seen, He said, Jerry, before we launch this operation tomorrow, would you get these men together and would you pray and ask God to go with us? You can find it on the Internet. You can find it on my website. Somebody actually took a picture of me the next day. We were in Sabine Close with beards, and we were going in in Mufti, as they call it, Um, and there's a picture of me standing on a platform with all the Delta guys around praying before we launched that operation but you know what i didn't go in there expecting to pray i didn't go in there expecting to to be asked to do something so important so critical uh at that moment but he he came to me and said will you t- pray for these men tomorrow morning and I, that's when i realized that i had passed his test mm. you got to be ready in season and out of season. you never know When you're going to be going down the highway and the Lord is going to say, stop, turn around and go back to that wreck you just passed and pray for that person. Mm -hmm. Because I can give you examples of that. But people are alive today because God, somebody answered God's call and they turned around and went back. But let me tell you the rest of the story. We launched that operation and that night we landed about 100 miles from Tehran with C-130 fixed wing aircraft, rolled hoses out the back and brought helicopters off the USS Nimitz aircraft carrier. Pulled him in behind the C-130s, and we refueled, refueled the helicopters. And then as one of those helicopters tried to lift off to reposition so another helicopter could come in and plug into the to the refueling, the dust and sand and everything blew up, and the, and the helicopter pilot lost his equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Or he went vertigo, as the pilots say, and he lifted off, and all of a sudden he couldn't hold it, and he crashed right on top of that c 130 mm-hmm. I was uh, I was not more than 30 yards from it. I was walking towards it, and all of a sudden, there was this huge ball of fire, big explosion. And I didn't, uh, I didn't know what had happened. I, I thought that somebody was dropping artillery rounds on us, and then I realized it was the airplanes. They were on fire. And I realized that 45 of those Delta Force men that had stood in that hangar in Wadi Kenya, Egypt, and prayed with me were hopelessly trapped inside that burning wreckage, Mm. and they couldn't get out. And the only thing that I could do was I couldn't go in there. I had to. The only thing I could do was pray for them. In one of my books, I write a chapter called The Power of a Ten-Second Prayer. Mm. Because the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they prayed these long, elaborate prayers, but they weren't praying to God. They were praying to the people around them, showing how erudite they were. But I began to pray, and I said, God, in the name of Jesus, these men trusted you. Lord, I'm asking you to spare their lives in Jesus' name, 10-second prayer. Hmm. But it came from the heart. Right. God sees our heart. Hmm. So anybody says, I don't know how to pray, yes, you know how to talk? <laughs> That's right. You know how to talk? God understands. He's looking at your heart. Now, I knew those were dead men. I knew they couldn't get out of there. But as I said, in the name of Jesus, amen. That right troop door on that aircraft opened up and 45 men came jumping through the flames, running out across the desert. Wow. Every one of them survived in a few singed eyebrows and some singed hair, but all those 45 men Mm -hmm. that stood in that desert and prayed, but the point of it all is, I did not expect to be asked to pray for those Mm -hmm. men. Be ready in season and out of season. And we
0: never hear the real story behind the story either, do we? I mean, I lived through that, watching it on the news and and reading about it in various forums. And and that's the heart of that story doesn't get told unless someone like you, sir, is willing to come and share those stories with us. Thank you so much for that. So we talk about being in season and out of season, being ready when those moments come and and praying from the heart. But we also know that sometimes prayer is is about this constant season of praying without season, the Bible says, and then praying with faith, believing that God is actually listening and has the power to do something about what we're asking him to do. I'm sure you've had some examples of that as well.
1: I absolutely have. And let me tell you, probably the one that, that... I guess is, is is most stark in my mind, and that was uh, during the Black Hawk Down events in 1993 when I was commanding the Delta Force and I was the commander of the ground operations there. And uh, uh, I was wounded, and uh, my doctor was wounded. I didn't realize that he was when he, he was right next to me. The guy in front of me got killed, and the guy and, the, and my doctor got hit, and we were hit by mortars. And uh, he went down, and he was—I uh, didn't know where he was, and I was calling, find a doctor, somebody find a doctor. And I didn't realize that he was laying next to me. He had been hit in the moral artery by a mm. piece of mortar shrapnel. Medics grabbed both of us and took us into a little tent where there was an Air Force unit that had a mobile hospital set up. And uh, they laid us side by side, and uh, he was bleeding out fast. And I, I looked over, and he, he was unconscious, so I just took his hand. And I squeezed his hand as I lay on the, on the stretcher next to him, and I just said, Rob, hold on, brother. Hold on, you're going to make it. And then I said, God. In Jesus' name, don't let him die, Lord. Mm-hmm. Don't let this man die. They were working feverishly on him. They put a blood pressure machine on him and a heart monitor, and they were the old vertical kind that the military used to use. And I could see him, and I'd look look over there. I could see his, his pulse was slowing. I could see his blood pressure was dropping. Mm-hmm. I could see he was dying. And I knew, I knew enough about medicine to know that this was not good. I kept praying. He was laying there just with his eyes closed and, I just kept squeezing his hand saying rob hold on brother hold on god don't let him die and i just praying passionately again from the heart god i said there's been enough destruction here save this man please i'm asking you in the name of jesus spare his life and finally he opened his eyes and turned his head and looked over at me big dilated eyes and he said Tell Barbara that I love her. Mm-hmm. And his eyes rolled back, and and he was gone. I looked over at the machines and it said, it said uh, he didn't have a pulse. He didn't have a blood pressure, and I and they and they were working feverishly. Finally, the Air Force nurse, a major, she laid her hand up on my my shoulder as I lay on the ground there, and she said, "Sir, he's gone." She said, let him go now. Mm. You ever you ever been told to just give up? Mm. You ever been told to stop praying about something that's not going to happen, just quit? I got a kid out here that's, that's not living right, but I've prayed for him and he's not, He's not responding, so I'm just wasting my time. Mm. No. No. You pray without ceasing. She finally reached down and took my hand and his hand and tried to pull them apart. Wow. She said, he's gone, sir. Let him go. Let him go. And I just kept praying. God, no. I don't accept what those machines say. I don't accept what she says. God, I'm asking you to spare this man's life God, you can do it. I know that. Well, when you're told to forgive or to give up, a lot of people want to give up on this country. They want to stop praying. Mm. Look, we're the remnant. Come on. As long as we can pray, God can move. You see, God will honor the prayers of the remnant. Yeah. We're the remnant. We've got to keep praying for America. We've got to be, keep keep praying for the restoration of of our values in this country. Because in 2014, that man was the number one doctor in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. He's alive. He's alive. And she said, let him go. He's gone, sir. Let him go. He's gone. No. He's gone when God says he's gone. Right. (laughs) But as long as we can pray, God Hmm. can move. And that's what we do. The outcome is up to God. Right. But But we've got to do our part. We've got to do our part. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And don't get confused about that righteous part. (laughs) The fact of the matter is the Bible says you're made righteous. Right. You may not feel very righteous, but you're made righteous when you're bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You're made righteous.
0: Our our righteousness is, is filthy rags. That's right. It's his righteousness that's imparted to us. Uh, That ultimately makes us possible, but we still have to do our part, praying without ceasing. And I love what you're saying, General. Uh, In that moment, you're praying for your comrade-at-arms and your brother and your friend, but uh, but for for many of us that are watching right now, it's about praying for our children and our families and our neighborhoods and our nation Mm -hmm. and and not letting go and not giving up and not believing, quite frankly, the fear-mongering that's going on. Right. Around us. Exact. So I will not live in that spirit of fear. So I honor you, sir, for that message and that and that model for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we talk about being ready, be in season and out of season. We talk about praying without ceasing, praying with faith, believing. But I, I don't know about you, sir, but Sometimes I have doubts. I, I struggle sometimes to believe. Okay, I, I, I'm doing this because the Bible says do it. But uh, and so doubt is is kind of a reality, isn't it? Thomas had doubts, and so uh,
1: is that a reality for everybody? I think anyone who says they've never had doubts is probably not being completely truthful. And uh, look, we are humans, and we you know it's it's just like we can see a great miracle. And then tragedy occurs or hardship or we're we're in a trial and suddenly we start to doubt but after having seen a great miracle you know and um i can tell you that i have literally questioned the very existence of god and this is as a christian this is as someone who has lived for many years for jesus christ and again it goes back to it goes back to the battle of Black Hawk Down in Mogadishu. And uh, we fought an 18-hour fight there. After I had led those men in prayer before we launched. We fought an 18-hour fight. And at the end of that 18 hours, 15 of my soldiers were dead. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you that my most vivid memory of Mogadishu, Somalia, was a five-ton truck coming back in on the airfield it's all we had to get our dead and wounded out with and this 5 ton truck came back and we had and this is very graphic and i'm sorry but i want you to understand the the dynamics of the mm-hmm. of the moment the dead were on the bottom and the wounded were stacked up on wow. top of the dead and as i walked over to drop the tailgate on that truck my heart was beating out of my chest as i said god where are you where are you, God? And then my anger began, and I dropped that tailgate, and the blood just poured out the back of that truck like water. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the broken bodies in the back of that, the dead and wounded, and I tell you, my heart was broken. It was broken not only because of these deaths and injuries, but it was broken because I didn't see God. Mm-hmm. It was because I didn't feel God because God didn't do what I asked him to do. That night after we got all our dead and wounded evacuated, I went over and sat down on my bunk where no one could see me. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I was angry. And I was angry with God. And I said, God, where were you? Where were you? You could have stopped this. You could have prevented this. Where were you? And then the answer came, there is no God. Hmm. For 23 years, I've been living a lie, I said. There's no God. But Pastor Jim, the moment I said that there is no God, I didn't say it audibly, but I said it in my heart. Right. There's no God. I heard the voice of the Lord. Wow. I mean, it was an audible voice to me. And he said, if there's no God, there's no hope. Wow. And I just broke and began to weep uncontrollably. My chest was heaving as I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Remember Peter? We all know Peter. (laughs) And Peter denied him three times in about an hour and a half. Denied him. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know the guy. But the book of Acts says that Peter, the same man that sat by that fire that night and denied him three times preached a sermon that won what 3,000 people 3, on that day right won 3,000 to the gospel and this is what I say when I tell an audience this story I say this the moment I began to say I'm sorry the moment it was in my heart I was forgiven hmm. I was forgiven That's it. for denying God's existence I was forgiven and you've never committed a sin in your life that God will not forgive you for come on Nothing, nothing you've ever done that God will not forgive you for if you'll confess it. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that's the message I want to take to people. Confess your sins and be forgiven mm. and do better. Amen. Do better next time. Mm. But I literally lost my faith for an instant there because I'm a human being. But God restored me, forgave me for that, and he restored me. And since that moment, I've, I've had a few zigs and zags in my Christian life because anybody that says it's a, it's a, it's a straight line to the top is probably not being truthful or They haven't experienced what I've experienced or what most people have experienced. But I've been on a climb, a steady climb, a few few zigs and zags of growing to know Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. better because I lost my faith for a moment. But you know what I did? When I did that, I just said, as I was weeping, I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand what happened. And I picked up my Bible. I had my Bible with me over there in Africa. And I, I just I said, God, I'm going to open it. Wherever I open it, you give me a word. Give me something to help me overcome this. And I opened my Bible. You know what I opened it to? I'd marked it. Proverbs 3, 5. Hmm. God, I don't understand, I said. And then I opened my Bible. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not and to thine own understanding. Mm. Boy, what a powerful verse for me. Yeah. For me. Because there are so many things in this world that I do not understand. Mm. So many things that happen that I don't understand. But I'm not going to lose my faith over it. Because I've been through that. I've been there. And I'll never go back to that again. I may struggle, but I will never go back to losing my faith like I did then. Amen. Amen.
0: And, of course, our church family knows the journey that Kim and I have been on uh, in losing our son and going mm-hmm. through some of those uh, angry with God, mm-hmm. wondering if God is there, but always coming back to, but I know what I know. And so Satan's going to whisper those things in our ears sometimes. Absolutely. He's a liar and a loser and a slanderer. At the end of the day, God knows us, and he's at work, and he loves us, and he's a plan for us.
1: Let me just say one thing as you as we close on this this is why it's so important for every person to have a bible reading a structured bible reading Mm. program you need to be in the word every day if you don't read but just one chapter you need to be in the word every day because there's going to come a point like you just described like i just described where it's not about how you feel Mm. it's about what you know what you know And, and if you know the word of god you're gonna be so much stronger in those crises that you will go through, where you move from the heart to the head.
0: Amen.
1: You know, salvation gotta move from the head to the heart. Hmm. But in in living the Christian life and 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 fighting the spiritual battles, I believe you gotta be able to go from the heart to the head. Amen. You're saved, you're redeemed. But you need to know the Word of yeah. God, and I cannot overemphasize how important it is to read the word every single day
0: thank you general for coming it sort of as a closing word we're we've been talking in our church for a few weeks now about restoring this spirit of honor mm-hmm. this seems to be so lacking in our culture these days honoring certainly in every sphere and area of life but today of course, we're talking about honoring our military and their families. So maybe if you have a closing
1: word of challenge, and mm-hmm. encouragement in that area, we'd appreciate it. Well, I do, and I want to first of all thank all of the veterans, all of the everybody that has served. Now, I don't care whether you've been in combat or not; it doesn't matter. You're a veteran if you put on that uniform and served. Secondly, I want to thank the the families, wives, children that have uh, have also served by, by virtue of being part of. Uh, our military families and then finally i just want to say to everybody look read read history Mm. we need to know our history and you'll find out that there's been a tremendous price tremendous sacrifice made for this country but also for people all over the world we need to be proud to be in americans because those veterans gave us the right to be proud
0: amen Thank you again, General, for coming and being a part of this. Thank you. Uh, It's such an honor to have General Boykin with us today on this Veterans Day. Now, now we're passing the baton to you that you make sure that you find a veteran today, whether it's right now in the service or maybe you're watching online or or during the course of the week and the work. Place in schools, wherever you are, make sure you give honor where honor is due, particularly in our community with Seymour Johnson Air Force Base and so many veterans and active duty personnel among us and their families. Mm. Make sure that you give honor where honor is due and honor will come back to you. God bless you. Thank you, General.
1: Thank you, Jim. Bless you. Bless you.
0: Give it up, guys. Amen. Wow, so many powerful stories, so many truths coming from the heart of the general. Uh, I would encourage you, uh, if you read books, if you go online, uh, go to amazon.com and just search General Boykin because he's written some powerful books. His latest book is called Man to Man and he's just talked about the biblical role of the man and we're already in conversation with him about coming and doing something as it relates to men. But one closing thought before I... Uh, bring us to a conclusion this morning. General Boykin told the story about the Iran uh, hostages in the embassy there in Iran. Uh, 60 Minutes actually did a a story on him. Maybe some of you saw it several years ago. Uh, And they interviewed the pilot of the C-130 and they asked him do you know that General Boykin believes that his prayers saved your life? And the colonel said I'm here aren't I? (laughs) <laughs> the reporter the 60 minutes reporter came back to general Boykin and, and he said so general we've talked a lot about your career but but we haven't really talked about your personal life who are the, who are the most important people in your life and with well, that hesitation he said number one is my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ number two is my wife Ashley standing right over here off camera and and he teared up and the reporter said well general you're strong man, but you kind of wear your emotions on your sleeves, don't you? General Boykin got a twinkle in his eye and leaned forward a little bit and he said, you want to arm wrestle? (laughs) Six months later, that reporter called General Boykin and said, would you pray? My wife has breast cancer. She's going into surgery. And General Boykin got on a plane and flew to New York City and prayed with her before her. Breast cancer surgery. She survived. Both of them have come to Christ and are serving the Lord in New York City today. So, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this Jesus is alive and well, and he's at work. And I don't care. That's right. Come on, he's at work. And maybe you can relate to some of the stories that he told. Perhaps you haven't been in some of those horrific settings. Perhaps you have. Some of you in your military duty and and law enforcement, you've been in horrific kind of settings, and we honor you for that. We thank you for your service. But regardless of your story, your history, all of us have come to those moments of doubt. We've come to those moments where we wondered if God was going to work. We've come to those moments of maybe we've gone too far, and and it's, it's too much for us to come back to the Lord. Hear me, guys. It's never too late to come back to the Lord. And I would beg you this morning, whether you're online or in this room, if there's any distance between you and God, come home. Come home. He loves you more than you have any clue about. Just come home. Several of us here would love to pray with you before you leave this room or, or write to us. Put something in the comment box. They'll pray with you online. There's no distance in prayer, but agree with us in prayer that God's at work in your life and in our nation. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord. I trust that, that not only has your heart been touched, but you've been kind of emboldened to be uh, to, to be a person of honor, to, to give honor where honor is due. And as I said at the conclusion of the video, find a vet, find an active duty person, maybe right here in the room, maybe during the course of the week, but make sure that you spend some time giving honor where honor is due. Again, next week we'll be talking about our local heroes. And if you, you know some, don't have a church family, bring them. And, and, uh, and we'd love to have you here for that service as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of knowing you, serving you, loving you, being loved by you first. Thank you for General Boykin and his life and the, 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 the spheres of influence that you've given him and are continuing to give him. Thank you for, in the fullness of time, bringing him into our world for a little while. We pray blessing over he and Ashley and their family. We thank you in Jesus' name as we go from this place that we can go as ambassadors of honor, in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.